welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodically Wrong but Mostly Just Early podcast. How many people picked the Panthers to beat the Bruins? Well, I think I did. My, you did, and I'm thinking if my memory is correct, you talked about that on the show that we didn't have to kill off. It was the last show we did. Yes, yeah. I I don't want to say I picked them to win because like I really believed and like would have bet money on them women winning. I mean, I would have bet a couple dollars on them because the odds were great. I would I picked them to win because whenever they're in a playoff series, I picked them to win. Like you know, I'm a fan. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Uh, but with the Bruins, you know, they did have that favorable matchup. Jack Hahn did an article on it. You know, we constantly reference him. Uh, but it just wasn't us. It just wasn't him. It was a lot of other people saw that, uh, you know, the forechecking, the way that the Panthers were able to create offense this year besides the rush was actually where the Bruins had the biggest weakness. And you saw that they struggled to break the puck out and they tried to just pass it up the boards or bank it off the boards, and it they couldn't evolve past that. And because of that, they're not playing anymore. I am, I don't want to say I'm stunned, because at a point you could see it sort of starting to happen. But in another way, like, this is the Florida Panthers team that we slagged off pretty much all year until the very end when they got in the playoffs with a coach we're not huge fans of. With roster construction, we were not huge fans of. And they just beat the best regular season team by record and wins of all time in a playoff series. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I think that kind of just exaggerates both sides of it. Like, you know, it was a lot closer than the headline makes it seem. Like, the winningest team in all. Like, they were on cruise control. You know, I mean, yeah, they won a lot and all that stuff. But that... We know from firsthand experience that means nothing in the playoffs. In a, in a, like it's, it's not apples to oranges, but they're different types of apples that you're measuring, you know, success in. And it just, you know, yes, the Bruins probably should have won that series, but, uh, you know, the record doesn't take into count like the injuries, who's playing, coach decisions, and things like that that get magnified when you play the same team over and over and over again. You're absolutely right. And I think also, and there's so many angles I want to get into with this, but my well, favorite... I, I, just, but, I just want to get on. back to one of the other things I wanted to say in just the reply to what you said was, we. it's not that we sl- slagged off the team or anything like that. That makes it sound like we were just bitter against the team and they were doing well and we just didn't see it. They were putrid for over half the year. They they start to go on a run down the stretch. It's okay to be cautiously optimistic. It's okay to be like, we need to see it like last long. We need to see them make the playoffs and to do something in the playoffs. And if we see X, Y, and Z, then we can start to be like, yeah, this is real. This is real. And that's kind of what we're doing. You know, like after Maurice was hired, we said that like, it's great that they brought him in to do to win playoff series and to be the mature voice and everything. We have concerns about certain things. If he can alleviate these concerns, then it's a good hire. And I think in this series, it, he alleviated some concerns. 
it, it alleviated some concerns. I mean, there still are concerns. I mean, we'll get into whether Lions act playing tonight or not, which is just something very unexpected. I didn't, but I'm also not getting worked up because, as we're we're about to talk about, Maurice did buy some trust. He did buy some some rope, and and he did prove in a monumental franchise hopefully altering playoff series that you know he not only was probably a a decent hire but he is probably the the right guy for next year too um so you know that's that's what it is and that's what we wanted to see like we it's not like we want to be right or wrong it's we look at the team as they are, and we give our opinions as they are in that moment, and we always very clearly state, like, what would change that opinion or, like, what we expect and want differently. So if it happens, it's like, you know, that's... We, I don't, I don't want to come on these podcasts, and I know you don't either, to come on and keep saying, this team is bad, can you change these things that we've been saying, please change for right. three months. That's I mean, boring. Yeah. But I mean, like, I feel like there's in today's day and age, there's too much like, oh, the t- this team did well and it wasn't likely that they were going to do well. So let's pull the receipts on the fans or the media members that said no or said that they weren't going to win or didn't pick us to win the playoff series or whatever. And it doesn't. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I think that there are some times for that and there aren't. But like, it, it's not wrong to be like, they they were taking too long under Maurice to to play that the way they should have been. You know there was decisions that Maurice did with the goaltending and stuff, uh, with not trying some D and and doing some things. You know, yes, it's great that Zito didn't trade Gudis at the trade deadline. That worked out. We were wrong about that, but like we were still right about. Mark Stahl playing this much and it's worked out and he's been a good, good player, you know, so far for his role, but he's still probably playing too much. And, and that might at some point come back to haunt them. Like there's a lot more nuance and stuff. I think about this. And at the end of the day, we're doing all of this because we say we like the core, we want this core to win. And it's, you know, like when we talk, talk about the game experience and stuff, we're not crapping on fans. Like, oh, yeah, games three and four were, were pretty silent and stuff. That's like a direct talk talk to the organization about, hey, you know, the game presentation stinks. People are talking about, like, not really having any replays, not really being able to hear the music and stuff because the speaker system's busted. I think maybe they might have replaced it for the playoffs or they're going to be replacing it next year or whatever. Um, but just, they like... got more no, revenue I, now to do that. I mean, like... Every game, I still see things about, like, not enough ushers. Not, like, you know, they brought in more security and stuff, but I don't think that they're actually ushers and stuff. So, like, a lot of people in the wrong seats, a lot of people, like, standing in aisles and doing things like that, that, like, just having ushers would help with. And we're not there. We, you know, we would love to go to these games and everything, but you know, we're way out of market. So it's not super cost effective. I think for me, I can say that the last time I was at a game in sunrise was six years ago. It's not by choice necessarily. Doesn't doesn't mean we can't say that like, 
we wanted what game six brought. Yeah. And F, in, be, in between games four and six, to say three and four were unacceptable atmospheres and that the organization, especially if they want more playoff revenue, needs to juice it up and, and add some things. I mean, they did. They started renting equipment for like the war for like the team announcements and stuff to like do it up. It's like yeah, to imitate nineteen eighties Miami. It was very right, funny. But, like, but you know, like yeah, like it's the playoffs. Like you know, you they have the largest building in the playoffs. If you pack it, you will sell the most tickets in the playoffs. You will have a. You can have a great atmosphere. You can rival any Canadian te- town or any big city, any big market like the Rangers or Boston. Like, they can. It's just like, you know, put money into it. Like, they put money into the front office and into uh, the roster. Let's start by going over some of the fun facts but, of this you series. Know, they are they're doing, they're doing good, and I like the uh, temporary short-term ban on – Canadian ticket buyers give a little window for the locals to get the tickets first give them the first look at buying tickets they're still going to you know the Ontario Joes and Janes are still going to be there the Schmoes are still going to be there the Snowbirds but you know that, that's fine you can't prevent I, them I, from I, coming it's, and it's not trying to and, and it's the amount of people making this such a big deal is Ridiculous. Well, I want to talk about that at some point later, but let's focus on the hockey first yeah. because the hockey is why we're here. Um, Where, where's the de- that series was better than last season. I, it almost puts the entirety of last if, season if, if to shame. Ignore, pretty much. If you ignore how cool it was to have Claude Giroux on the team for a little bit, um, but that might and, be just for us. Yeah, yeah, like the novelty of having Giroux on the Panthers. Um, if you, if, especially if you take that away, it a hundred percent is better than last year. Oh, it's it's not even close because last year they felt pressure to win a series, and while they won a series yeah. and that was good, what happened after was such a but wet I'm just, fart. I'm just talking like I would I would buy a DVD. Like I was saying last year, I would buy a DVD of the regular season and watch it all the time. I would buy a DVD of this playoff series and just watch this instead. Like this was a lot better. Like. It was just better for, to put into my veins. Because uh, it's what we've been talking about, having a team unit that understood moments in the games. Uh, you know, it's not just Forsling or Montour being being smart and savvy and, like, holding up and letting the forwards change before breaking the puck out. It's, you know, it's Gudis, it's Stahl. It's like, they're all doing it. They're all doing those, like, I'm going to buy us more time. I'm going to buy more space. I'm going to take a hit. I'm going to do this so that we can do that. And that sort of playing style has been completely missing from the Panthers. And yeah, we were getting on Paul Maurice because it wasn't showing up. And it and it's still, you know, there's still ways to go to be a cup winner and, and cup contender, but that's something that you kind of build upon and you need the experiences of the se- the series they just had to then take it to the next level. Um, but they they just had the poise of a Barkov to be able to play at a Kachuk level without it boiling over, reducing penalties. I thought maybe that's just my stupid eye test, but I thought 
thought towards the uh, end of the series, they were taking less dumb penalties. They're more kind of wishy-washy penalties or, um, but uh, you know, I, I just thought that they, they really did a good job of stepping up and staying with things and playing their team game where in the past, I mean, they crumple, they start playing separate where you have guys, you know, on either side of both blue lines and it's just a mess. Let's go over some of the fun facts of this series, because I think there are some that are just are really, really funny to me. The first of which is, and I don't have any historical context for this, and if you do, if you've seen somebody post a stat about this, please help us, because I would love to see it. One of my favorites is, when's the last time a team gave up three goals in every game of a seven-game series and won? I, I can't think of any. And I also can't think of any the last time a team gave up ten-plus power play goals in a series and won. Like, they overcame defensive issues that were still there to win. They got outscored at specialty teams, I think it was 13-6 to in the entire series, and they overcame that and and they won. And that's something that, like, to get past the Toronto again, or, like, eventually your luck is going to run out. So, like, yeah, Maurice has bought himself some time. He's definitely answered some questions of, can he do what he said he can do? Yeah, we're seeing signs of it. Can he do it enough? Can he do it to the level that they need it to be done to win the cup? That's now what we have to find out. I'm I'm assuming almost guaranteed through, you know, next season's playoffs. Um, but it's going to be interesting because you know, their penalty kill is something where the efforts there, the the commitment to laying out blocking shots, um, the two things that are probably the most important in penalty killing that they are struggling with is staying on top of the current trendy power play systems and having your system, you know, be built around that. I think that, they still they are their their system is it allows to get exposed in the middle and there's too many power plays that either have a guy like in a box plus one system in the middle of the ice like we used to do a bit um and kind of do sometimes or like we like the florida power play has been doing recently in the playoffs moving that guy to pop out and into the slot and then turn around and get a sh- pass from down low and take a shot. Kind of like a more organized version of that for Hagee overtime winner for the series. Um, but, uh, like, there's no defense there because we have both forwards and D are always more pressuring up and outside of the, the face-off dots. And they get very spread through, and very and they get very tired, and they're easily opened up, and then they get beat out in front. And that's the second thing they struggle with is winning those net front battles. Uh, Toronto, you know, they might be harder. They they might have the confidence of winning a series, and we don't know what that's going to do to that core because we've never seen it. Um, but Tavares is going. Uh, you know, Matthews is going, Marner's going, Nylander's going. They're going to have to shut down some quality players 
And that's a power play I'm more scared of than the one we saw with Boston. And the one with Boston was 40% yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, again, this is a winnable series. This is a, like, this is a winnable series. It's just about, um, you know, they're going to have to withstand the energy in the first 10 minutes of game one. They're going to have to play a good road period. They're going to have to get some saves, but they're also going to have to let whichever goalies in net get a rhythm, feel some pucks, but, you know, have them be from the outside, have them be savable. Um, they're going to have to try to get that first goal or get to that period tied 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, but if, you know, it's all about just hanging in there, getting through that initial energy and anxious anxiety burst. And uh, when the game settles in, ha- being right there, being a shot away from tying the game or taking the lead in the game is where Florida needs to be in that going into that second period. And they need to be feeling good about themselves. They need to be feeling like we can do this. It's up to us to just get a bounce to just score because they have that belief that they can do it. Uh, So that's how they can stick to their game is just keep that belief up. They didn't let games get too far away from them in that Boston series. And that's going to be the key. Toronto and Tampa were, you know, one game got away from one team and they got crushed. Then the next game it flipped and it's going to have to be a lot closer game to game. I think for Florida to, to, to do their grinding grueling style that they did to Boston and, and their goal is, you know, to win ramp up and win that series in games five, five, six, seven. So I want to go back to the Boston series because we'll preview the Toronto series later in this show, of course, but And I look back at this series, and I look back at a lot of the things that happened. You know, I thought, even if they had lost that series in five, I would have said, you know what? They could have won that series because, I mean, they laid two two eggs at home in game three and four. They were bad. But even if they had lost in other parts of the series, they overcame, you know, those challenges. But they could have won that. The games were closer than they looked in many ways, other than I think games three and four, which were not very good from their well, perspective. My my opinion is if they lost in game five, you can't say anything good. It, it's it's three straight losses after two bad games at home where you uh you, you really can't you know, they needed that win in game five and they needed that good effort in game six to really show that they can get through to the end of a series, you know, six and seven, that that's where the series are won and lost. Like those games, they had to prove that they could battle it out all the way through nonstop, stick to their game, you know, not let the Bergeron coming back and Krejci coming back, not let falling behind and, and, you know, the crowds and everything affect them, not let the refs affect them. I mean, the refs took a, the refs gave Boston a goal after the whistle. Like I cannot like it's ridiculous what Florida had to go up and get through. But I think, you know, Maurice had a good balance between anger and calm, uh, calming energy and a little anger, fire energy. Uh, and, and it's more, it was more fire than we saw in the regular season, which is something again, that we wanted to see a little more of that. I think it was too calming too like, you know, uh, steady Eddie uh, in the regular season, but 
Um, it it was a it was measured in the playoffs. Barkov and and Kachuk, Montour. I think a lot of the a lot of the guys who were leading the team were measured, uh, even when it wasn't going right. I mean, Verhage had a tough start uh, to the series. I mean, you were really mad with him after Game Four, which was fine. Either he was amazing or he was invisible. Yeah, it was I it mean, was one or the other. Yeah, he was just. I was. I mean, it wasn't like mad at him. Like you know, oh, you know, Verhage. It's Verhage's fault. You know, it's more just like you know, Verhage's not catching passes. He's not able to get going. He's not able to. He's not able to be in a stride. And and what's Verhage good at? He just has like a sweet swing. Like that's what you would say. Like his 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 shooting motion is just, you know, it's just that's what scores him goals. When he's able to just kind of catch it, release it in one motion, and he's just kind of feeling it, then a lot of the other stuff comes with it. The skating, the forechecking, the passing, uh, you know, starting to dictate and take over shifts. Like, that's when it starts to happen, when he starts to feel that shooting motion and mechanism and feeling like he's ripping it. Uh, and he was just never able to really hold on to the puck or get into those spots early in this series. And that's on him. That's on his line mates. And that's on Maurice. I mean, that's on, you know, the, the coach who does the forward door, uh, you know, that's on everybody. Uh, but it, 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 they stuck with it and they, and they got through and they got the job done. And now, they have to show that they can keep that going and start over that they know, okay, we're going back to game one mission. You know, they're on the road for the first two, the top line goal is to come home split. Obviously you want to go two and oh, and you're just focused one game at a time, but you know, you're not going to get too up and down in the first two games. You're really just trying to just play some good road hockey. Uh, and I think this team can do it. I think they can too, and it's kind of funny and fitting that they're going back to Toronto where their season turned around. I remember saying watching the the game that Wednesday where they won and that was the turning point of their season, you know, it kind of reminded me of Game 4 against Washington where what it was was a point shot tipped in by Sam Reinhart that tied that Game 4, and in that game it was a point shot from Ekblad that Reinhart tipped in that tied the game, they win in overtime, and their season looks entirely different, and that kind of happened here. And I don't know really, in many ways, what changed from games four to five, other than I think that the Panthers were really comfortable this year playing, knowing that, you know, the axe was going to come on their head if they lost, because four or five times this season, I thought they were toast. You know, they were nine points out on New Year's Day, you've heard that a lot. Then they fought back in January. You know, I thought after that that loss to Nashville right before the trade deadline, like, what is going to happen here? You know, they had just come off a win against Tampa. Then they lay an egg at home against the Predators. And you're going, all right, what's coming next here? The trade deadline's tomorrow. And then the Ottawa game when everyone thought they were done and they weren't. And then after game four. And here they are again. I think that they were just comfortable in the, you might hate my term, but the Rasputin part of the equation you know they just enjoyed having their backs against the wall right but that that's something that that's another thing that this team players and coaching staff need to develop they need to be able to bring it more consistently when their backs aren't up against the wall like 
you don't have to wait till you're down three one. Like two one, you can step it up. You know, like you don't have to wait till the last, the eleventh hour or the last minute to. You don't have to, to wait until you're about to run out of your nine lives. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like, because event eventually that's also gonna make it. That's also gonna limit the amount of chances you have at a Stanley Cup, if that's how you need to play to play your best. Because then you're you're saying that. To play my best, I need to increase the odds of the other team winning the series. That's a, I mean, that's simply what's happening. If you if you need them to start like you know, taking it to you in a game or take or winning a couple games, for you to find your stride and and to find that. that but it was push. really funny because when we did our last show it was after game two and we were I was really impressed with their game two and I thought all right now you're going home the series is tied the Bruins are clearly flustered a little by what you are doing and then they just laid two eggs and that was the and that was the thing even kind of yeah, last can, year can they can they can they continue playing good hockey when things are going well I mean that that's you know we saw kind of exaggerated with the president's trophy curse and, and what that kind of talks about. Like, do you have not enough adversity? Do you, do you go too much on coast and autopilot during the year to really be able to ramp it back up um, in the playoffs when you, when you have that many wins, when it's, when you blow out when, I mean, they, they gave up less than 200 goals and they scored over 300 goals or something like that, right? Or close to 300 goals. What I think is funny about uh, that team was that even when they weren't playing well, you know, because we remember Toronto, they had one, that 5-1 comeback in 22, right? And we were just like, you can't keep getting away with this. In that New Jersey game, right? Where they would, yeah. in April, where they were down a trillion and they found a way to win because they knew they could score with anybody. And that just, and we, I think we said on this podcast, like, I don't think you can live like that because at some point you're not going to be able to turn it on. And we kind of saw a little of it in the series, not in the same way, because in all of these games, they had the lead. Boston would peg them back and then they knew, all right, we can get the next goal. You know, we're right. playing well enough to get the next goal. But like this kind of this idea of that this team's really good when they're living on the edge. It's, you can't keep doing that. But I want to get into some players in this series, just overall talk about the tenor of how it went. And, the reason why I think Paul Maurice proved a lot to us in this series was because during the regular season, he made almost no adjustments, and that got us really frustrated, whether it was to the lines, the defense cores, obviously. The power play didn't change when it needed to, unless it was necessity. And in this series, we saw that too. But to be honest, like in Game 2, he made very proactive changes almost immediately, and that won them a game. And he knew after game four, like, I got to put everything in a blender and I got to figure something out. And it turned out that those changes he made, they worked pretty well. And what I think was impressive was the fact that he did it at exactly the right moment. He knew the moment was right to say, all right, I got to put the lines in a blender. I'm still frustrated about the way the defense is deployed. And we're going to be frustrated about that till the end of time. But when it came to making those forward changes, when it came to... You know, Ekblad was out in Game 4, they made a change to the power play, and he didn't go back to the old one when Ekblad was back. He kept working with, you know, what was working, which sometimes this season he hasn't done, even when the changes happened because of injuries or it was so bad something had to change. You know, in this series, he was far more proactive in making those changes, and he found what worked, and he just stuck with it. 
Some of it was because Sam Bennett came back into the lineup and he was so critical to what they were doing in so many different ways. But I think overall, they got so many good performances out of so many different players. And the balance that the core had was was great. And what you said earlier in the show is what I think Greg Wyshynski tweeted about and what I wanted to say is if you needed more evidence that the core of this team was built really, really well, it was this series. Because so many different players who you would consider part of the core or close to it were just were just awesome. And I want to celebrate a few of them. It's not just everybody celebrating Matthew Kachuk. I think it's obvious why. But Right, yeah. And but, that, that's fine. Like, you, you look, know, he's a, he's a very loud player, and when he's really good, it's very noticeable. But yeah. I wanted to celebrate the players who weren't so loud. And there was a lot of Barkov discourse in this series. You know, we're obviously the biggest one of some of the biggest defenders of him out there. And apparently, he was sick at the start of the series. And I think you mentioned something like in games one and two, he didn't look quite right. And there was your explanation yeah, for I it. I mean, yeah. And then after games one, I thought it was I thought it was his hand because um, he just didn't look right uh but then after games three and four i was thinking wow it looks like he's lost like 20 pounds like 15 pounds and then like towards i forget what what intermission it was but like the camera angle whatever like he just looked like he his jersey just like looks a lot looser on him and everything and to find out he's sick like that makes sense um like he he must have I don't know whatever mystery illness has been going around and whatever Boston said their players had uh, before maybe it was one. the pneumonia again but yeah, I, mean, I do want to say I do want to say no, for his but defense he, he was oh in the the final three games he was bark off again if he if people if people looked at him as how Maurice is using him as we don't have a number one defenseman Barkov's going to be our number one defenseman people would be saying he's one of the best defense like he he's playing fine he's great and everything it's just they want they want the Kachuk offense without the Kachuk taking defense off part you know the reason why his numbers are so good when it comes to possession is because when he's on his game they're spending most of the shift in the offensive zone and he doesn't really have to do all that much defending like the best defense is to keep the puck away from the other team, well, and that's what and, he's really good at. Physically take the puck back, which is I, I I think if anything that Boston series showed that he was the best defensive center on the ice. I mean, whether Bergeron was playing through something, or well, he said he had a herniated disc, so but, he was. Yeah, I, I think Boston has lost a lot of Game 7s on home ice. I think they've exaggerated a lot of injuries in the past to make that seem better. Uh, you know, I'm just speculating. I'm just guessing from being a fan that doesn't like Boston sports. But, uh, you know, what was I saying? But for Barkov in this, in this entire series, as it got going, I always – I said – I, I have to look, but he had to have the most takeaways in that series. Like, he, he definitely had the most highlight reel, like, strips. Like, I'm just coming, I'm picking up your stick, I'm taking the puck, and I'm going. I mean, like, the one was... thing about Barkov that I think is so key, and maybe it's because people don't watch the game in the same way that we do, which is fine. But when we look at the game, we look at everything, you know, 
and it helps that you're a former player and I've learned a lot from you and I learned a lot from like the Jack Hans and the and the analytics guys of the world that have informed the way I view hockey. Like Barkov often makes the play before the play before the play. The play that sets up everything else that happens. So you don't get yeah. counting stats for that. But unless he makes that play, the rest of the situation that therefore unfolds doesn't happen. And when you play like that, and when he focuses so much on those little things, the things that don't get noticed in counting stats, it is harder to, you know, when he has five points in a seven-game series, it's harder to go and look at him and go, oh, wow, he was awesome. But then you look at some of the things he does to help set up plays, and we're going to get to that with two other players that I really want to spend a good amount of time praising in Lundell and Osterainen. Like, that's just Barkov's game. And part of what I thought was going to happen as the season went on with Kachuk coming in was that he was going to help Barkov raise his game in a way that we hadn't seen Barkov raise his game before by adding stuff to it because Matthew Kachuk is such a different player to anybody he's ever played with. But he didn't play a lot with him at 5-on-5. What ended up happening in many ways was Matthew Kachuk is doing a lot of what he does because Alexander Barkov is doing what he does. In other words, they basically are asking Alexander Barkov and systemically it's what they're asking him to do with how far back he plays in the defensive zone when you're trying to break the puck out and how far back he is when you're supporting so that the wingers can do you know what they do is basically all right Sasha you can go do all of the defensive stuff that you love to do and the parts of your game that you're that you are really really good at that might take away some of your offense but we're not worried about that because we have other players who are gonna you know chip that in and I'm not saying that's exactly what's happened, but that's kind of what it feels like. You know, we'll let Barkov do the quiet stuff, which he's really, really good at, and then Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett and others can do the loud stuff. You know, yeah. and, and that means that you're going to watch games where you don't really notice Barkov in a big-time way, but what that means is that he's just doing the, the small stuff, and the small stuff is what wins you playoff series. And the Panthers have the best player on the ice in almost every single series— at the small stuff. And that's a real weapon to have. And he scored He scored in game six. It was great. But the small stuff is what he's good at. And if you're going to let him be exceptionally good at the small stuff, I'm not going to complain because he's the best in the world at that right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that he should be playing with Kachuk. I mean, I understand for this year. But, I mean, the goal is you, you got them together. Kachuk has a flaw and that's defensively um if you and his skating if you give him barkov those flaws are hidden and you also give barkov more production opportunity because one he's going to be playing with matt matthew kachuk so it's going to be more points but kachuk's the type of guy who keeps plays alive more who who can keep who can get the puck down low and then find that trailer, which would be Barkov uh, coming back from, from breaking the puck out and stuff. So he's a good person to have uh, with, with Barkov. But, you know, for me, the biggest thing with Barkov in the series was the, the lack of a Barkov on Boston is why I personally think Boston lost the series. They could not break out the puck. Their D could not adjust to the forecheck of the Panthers, could not break out the puck. And the Bruins, whether through coaching or lack of having this type of player, 
or just lack of execution, they couldn't get their centers to skate the puck out, get the puck out, make those plays. They couldn't involve the center, you know, enough in that breakout. And because of it, how many second opportunities do the Panthers get? How many times do the Panthers get to start offense, start going on offense with puck possession right inside the blue line? And all they had to do was make two passes and take a shot. Well, uh, I think the greatest example of that was Game 7, the second goal, was just just a prime right. example of that. The first goal they scored in Game 2 was almost identical. And the difference is that, but I also think the difference in this series was the longer it went and the crazier the games got, Boston couldn't keep up. And one of the things that you notice in the teams that have advanced in the East is they're all fast, like really fast. And the Panthers are a fast team. And a lot of that is because they've just got athletes. And I think that was the thing that Jack Hahn kind of intimated. And I said after game two was like, the Panthers just have better athletes in many cases than the Bruins have. And that is not to say that the Bruins don't have incredible athletes. They do. But when you have Brandon Montour and Gus Forsling and the forwards they have, if you're going to play the aggressive, you know, we can also beat you on the rush, but we're going to forecheck you to death. You need to be able to have the energy to do that consistently over 60 minutes and into overtime and the Bruins at some point just didn't have the energy to keep doing that because they've got an older team but also their younger players aren't Brandon Montour and Gus Forsling and like that's an advantage that Florida had in this series that they utilized really well because eventually at some point the Bruins just couldn't keep track of what Brandon Montour was doing because in the third period of game seven he was playing exactly the same way he did as in the first period of game one the Bruins just didn't have anybody on the back end who could keep up with that, you know? Yes and no. I mean, I think they did. I, I think, you know, confidence is, is a hell of a drug. Um, you know, Montour really wasn't moving around that well in the first couple games, and he didn't really have confidence. He has confidence, and all of a sudden he's he's all over the ice. He's, you know, his he looks like he's just skating normal speed, but he's, you know he's flying like he's absolutely moving down that ice. Um, and the other, you know, at other times, you know, when the Bruins were confident, you know, McAvoy Orlov, like those guys were moving, um, maybe not so much on the breakouts, but, you know, through the neutral zone or in the, or on back checks or, you know, retrieving pucks and some stuff, uh, you know, but then they got a lot slower when they were, cause you, you think more when you're not confident. And when you're thinking, the more you're thinking, the less you're moving, you know. Oh, that's been a problem with Panthers of... for the last three years is when they got to think yeah. they're not as good. This team is yeah. so good on instinct. But so, I also I also wanted to say that, you know, obviously Montour scored the five goals. That was incredible. But that's the best Gus Forsling has been in since he played in Florida. Yeah. I, I think in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, well, as the series went on, he got better. But you know how many times Gus Forsling would get beat when he tried to go for, like, one of his stick checks or whatever it is, and he'd, he'd miss, and then it's an odd man rush? Like, that started a little in the first two games. But then as the series went on, his stick checks got better. He was not letting people get in behind him. And apparently, I mean, I was reading Dom LeCision's uh, preview of the, the new series and talking about how the Panthers were just so much better when Ekblad and Forsling were on the ice together and definitely seemed it. And I think a lot of that was the way that Forsling was playing so I want to give him credit yeah. because I thought he had a really good series as it went he, on. He's going to need to 
be able to take contact and, and physical play a little more, uh, especially on the breakout, or it might get to kind of a Hampus Lindholm oh <laughs> situation, boy. you know, like yeah. he, and you know, I don't, I'm a, I like Hampus Lindholm. I don't know if that, I think, you know, when, when the whole team doesn't have an answer to something, it's hard for one person or it's hard for a couple players to, to correct it themselves on the ice. Um, especially when you, you know, it's, it's a team four check you're trying to beat. Um, so I'm not going to blame it on, on Lindholm, but yeah, I mean, Forsling, and that's the thing with the Panthers. Like, obviously there's room for improvement. We know kind of where, where the off season additions will cut, will cut, will, you know, be focused and things like that on, on the depth up front, adding a little more finishing in that depth. Um, cause as great as Nick Cousins is and, you can see why he's been successful there and why Maurice pulled him up. Um, you know, there's a couple plays that you probably stick out in your mind right now of, you know, him not being able to finish a chance or, or to kind of have that top six skill set um, that's kind of needed or even a top nine skill set in today's day and age that's needed um, to really play with these guys and get the most out of them. Um, it's not like a liability or anything, but it's it's where they can go deeper, they can go further, possibly, um, and, and if, obviously replacing Mark Stahl. But, but we don't need to spend more time on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be just positive today. Yes. Um, but I mean, like everybody's playing well despite their flaws and stuff. Like, yeah, Mark Stahl and 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 Cousins and White and stuff. Like, but White played good in Game Seven. I he mean, did. I I thought he, you know, he he might have liked. He he. If you asked him, he probably want to take that shot in overtime back. And but you know, I thought he had a good shift there, and that was a good shot. Just get it off quick and just try to beat him. And he was shooting it in that five hole, and that's where Kachuk was shooting it on the breakaway. That's where a lot of people were shooting it. So I'm not, you know, I. But this is you know like, there are I think. The idea is you can't – there's things that they have to improve, but you can't be – you have to have a short memory and you can't be harping on mistakes or, you know, I wish I wish Maurice, you know, maybe went to Bob a little earlier or, or this or that, or I wish, you know, um, he, he found more time for Barkov and Kachuk uh, on the ice or um, – I mean, I like some of the D switches they made – uh, to get back into it uh, in the middle of the series for a little bit. They they kind of reversed uh, back in there. Um, but I thought, uh, was it Mahora and Montour got some ice time together or something? Like, I thought that was a good a good pair. Um, I think and, there's a lot more that they could explore with if they wanted to. They just yeah. didn't, and whatever. Uh, I, I want to spend time talking about the two players that I really think deserve, and we said it after game two, but I mean, particularly after the last two games, the two that really deserve it, boy, Lundell and Losterena were great. And last year, I think I said, I certainly said that Anton Lundell looked overawed by the playoffs. That was just an experience that was too big for him. Sometimes in the postseason, I... even young players, you know struggle with that even the second time around i don't i mean i think that's just attaching a narrative to why 
like you you go back on the you know everybody was terrible so you go back and you look like this is this, all right, this, is, this is why this person was terrible this is why that person was terrible this is why this person was terrible and maybe maybe but this is somebody that has been in big moments for his nation uh at a, at the men's level for uh professional teams in the playoffs and stuff like yes i'm sure there was a little bit of that but also i think it could have just been like the team sucked like this is this the, is also true but the, team the difference had... from the difference from that last year to what we saw the start of the series, but the end of it particularly was yeah. just massive. Well, that's, that's confidence. That's, I mean, and that is why having, uh, you know, whether it's Maurice or, or Quinville or, you know, whatever, who, whoever's the next coach, I hope is, it has this skill, but there is a need for the coach to understand when players are feeling it and to ride them because especially in a series where like shift to shift there's moments that define the series you want the guys going on the ice and you want to keep them hot you don't want like you like i thought maurice maybe did a little too much of it but when it was needed he he cut down the bench and didn't roll four um but like you know he was getting that lundell australian line out there every other shift when they were going and that's what you need. You need somebody like if Lundell, if you're a young player, you got a bunch of talent and someone's telling you you're playing great and you're, and you're getting points and everything. And you're just going to you're going to be all over the ice. I mean, it, it was awesome to watch. And it was great that they were getting the confidence building and getting the minutes and stuff Um for for a while there, they were being used as the first line. The beginning of the rotation was starting at that line, and that uh, that's something that players understand in the moment. Wow, I'm getting moved up, kind of on the chart. Our line's getting moved up on the chart because we're feeling it. Let's go get another. I honestly, uh, that was it, the it, best it, line it, for the Panthers in the last two games and, of the series. Yeah, and it's something where, especially for those guys where they don't necessarily have a always on burden of scoring. Like, you know, the, it, it doesn't come with a burden. Like when you're getting moved up and like, Hey, they're keep coming to us, you know, it was game seven and they were behind, but they were getting thrown out on the ice. It probably didn't feel like a burden. It probably felt like, uh, it probably just, you know, they probably didn't even think about it. They probably were just thinking, goal, 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 get this puck back, let's move it, let's go, let's find, you know, like that's, they probably were just so into the game. In, in, and uh, that's something that's been cultivated that was only cultivated really by Quinville and the longer Quinville, oh, the longer, you know, Brunette was oh, took over, the less the Panthers had it. Um, and so I'm glad that they found it again. Uh, I'm, I, I'm guess it's, you know, it doesn't really matter how they found it, but I wish it didn't come like so late and at, you know, at the end of, or, you know, when their backs were against the wall, because this is something that I think that they can do all the time. They can build these confidence. They can get, they can mix and match and bring up a guy like cousins and make it work. Uh, because, like we were saying, this core, I think, 
has good vibes. They create good vibes. They make other players better. And I know sometimes people hate in the way that that gets put out on the ice or in quotes with Barkov, like saying we all love each other and stuff like that. And, you know, we're and and all that stuff or um, when they overpass or things like that. But honestly, it it's one of the reasons they won that game seven. They won that series. Uh, so you got to take the good with the bad and, uh yeah you were you're right about that this this is a vibes team when the vibes were bad they were bad when the vibes are good they're actually pretty good and i wanted to talk a little bit about lundell and ostrain and more just before we get to a comment paul maurice made about like letting the players run the bench which he's talked about you know recently and what that actually means but for those two i mean those strain to hit a one in a million shot in game six and great for him but like i don't know i don't i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say He's a sleeper sniper. Okay. Because you look at the way he tapes his stick. You look, he's got the range of motion and kind of that like sweeping shot Verhage does. Uh, I mean, he has some things that are that just that give him a, a, a the shot. I mean, everybody in the NHL is capable of shooting shooting that shot. It's just about how often you can do it. Um, I mean, Sean Thornton and Aaron Asham were guys that were known for just having heavy sh- shots that they just like would fling under the crossbar. Uh, so it's not necessarily like, oh yeah, he's like a third liner. So, but you know, I I like Lawstrainen. I think he's been fantastic. You know, we won the trade, all that. <laughs> All that good. News I did stuff. text you that after uh, after the uh, <laughs> multiple yeah. times during the series, like, oh, they won the trade now. Okay, good work, Dale Talon. But uh, but those two were just they were so good. And again, the quiet ways. And and then it got louder as the series went on because they started, you know, getting counting stats and making really nice plays. Well, what but, ha- I mean, yeah, because the Bruins and the Panthers stuck with their matchups early on. Boston's third line had the confidence and was going Taylor Hall later. It was our third line. They were getting the goals. They, they Taylor Hall's line was getting caved in and they couldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, you need your best players to be your best players, but there's also the saying that, you know, it's not your first two lines that win a series. I mean, the Colorado avalanche, another team of your heart, is not in the playoffs right now because they had no depth, pretty much. Because they had five guys. <laughs> they had they had five guys. They would put them all on the ice at the same time and be like, "Giddy up and go," because we need like six. You got yeah. fifteen minutes. And that was the and that was, uh, that was why they lost. And the Panthers, on the other hand, like by the time you would see that that third line show up, you'd go or quasi third line, you'd go. Actually, no, I really like this line and the way they're playing. And there is some built-in chemistry with Lundell and Reinhardt already because they were great together last year. But Lowstrain is not Mason Marchment. I'm glad he's in the second round and getting a chance. But, like, Lowstrain's... His his strengths is the fact that he can play anywhere and in any situation, and you don't mind him in any situation. He's not going to drag anybody down. He might not be, you know, the best person for that that role, but he always finds a way to fit in every role that he's in, pretty much. He's cheap. He's 24... He can, like you said, he can play every position, and he can shoot the puck like that 
when given the time and space, you know, and he can make time and space for himself too. I mean, he puts his shoulder down, he drives the net. I mean, I hate saying this because he's having a good year and, and I'm glad he's in the second round and Nick Bugstad, but this is kind of what you were hoping, you know, the, what like a, like a solid Nick Bugstad would pan out to be on the day he was drafted. Like, okay, you know, this is kind of what they're expecting. Uh, it, they're very different kinds of players, but I think the end result are they? feels... So, I, I mean, mean, on on appearance they are, but... How so? In terms of, I, like, Nick Bukestad's the big, you know... In terms of size, in terms of, like, just the characteristics. It's, and some of that's our biases. Big too. Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think anybody's Nick Bukestad's height, but, you know, whatever. The, the point yeah, is, like... six three. I mean, he's a bit pretty, pretty. But big either dude. way, but either way, like just to have him in the lineup and to do what he has done, and that was one of Paul Maurice's first really good decisions was recognizing, okay, Losterainen's not a fourth line center. I got to use him in different kinds of roles because I know I can get a lot out of him in these different spots. And yeah, yeah, they uh, they like, did. He sure did. And he was great. A, all it took him a while though to be like, yeah, he's better for the third line than Stahl. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of that was. Unfortunately, Paul Maurice being Paul Maurice, but I have to... And, and the good news is is that Eric and Mark Stahl did not cost the Panthers games. They may have cost no. them moments, but they didn't cost them games, and that's good. And I bet at that point, I think their roles are, look, do the little things, so, don't cost us a game. I, I, we gotta, I can't hold off anymore. Is it going to be Lion? Is it going to be Bob in that tonight? Okay, so we're recording this, and you're going to listen to this, hopefully, before the game. Now, it could be Mind Games... It could be. It could also be what Paul Maurice is thinking as like, look, he was really good against the Maple Leafs in two games down the stretch. Like, really good. So you're going to use him in that moment because also you're kind of worried. I guess they're kind of worried about Bobrovsky's workload. I guess. But, like, what did we learn in the playoffs? Is if you had a two-goalie system in the regular season, and a lot of teams did... You still needed to find a dude that you were going to ride throughout a series. Maybe it's different now that you're going to switch series, right? But for me, like, they pulled Lyon at just the right time. They got Bobrovsky back in, and he wasn't amazing. He had goals in every game that weren't great, but he got the saves when he needed to make the saves. Like, Sergey Bobrovsky might let in a turkey. How, that's literally Alex Lyon, though. It is, Al- it is Alex Lyon, and... Dude, if they are actually starting him, I would think it's the wrong decision, although I kind of get the logic. And, Even if and, I disagree with it. Yeah, but I mean, and I, I tweeted this out uh, yesterday or today, I forget. Um, but one of the things I think that was overlooked in the moment and on the rewatch, I Oh, yeah, the, the, the thing he did in overtime, Bobrovsky. yes. In the beginning of overtime... Pasternak took that early shot. It was kind of a weak one, whatever. They had that offensive zone draw. After that, Pasternak had another shot, and he saved it with the skinny part of his stick shaft. I know, haha. Um, but it after that, he because the net was kind of loose or whatever. He had them refill and the ice where the moorings, the peggings on the on the net go go into to hold the net more secure. Because it was just loose enough to get that done. But it took them a while. And right after that, the shift that Kachuk got his breakaway, 
That that was right after that faceoff from that whistle. And because he took the crowd out of it, because Boston kind of sat around and, and kind of didn't have that, like, hey, we just got a couple quick shots from Pasta and one just almost went in, let's keep it going. That was kind of sucked out. It gave Florida's Bennett line the chance to win the faceoff, get down the ice, you know, make some havoc, pick off some passes. It opened up the ice back and forth, and then Bennett was able to spring with a beautiful pass to Kachuk, who had a just as good reception. I can't believe he caught that off the heel of his backhand like that. That was that was very nice. The man um, has uh, incredible hands. Yeah, and and you know, like after that, it was all downhill. There were, you know, White had the shot. I mean, every shift, it was kind of like you felt like. Florida's so close here. Florida's so close here. You kept feeling good. And every time Boston went down the ice, their shots were muted. Their shots were blocked or chipped away or their passes were smacked around or smacked back to neutral zone. You just, it, it was all downhill for Florida after that in a good way, down ice. Like the ice was tilted in their favor. And, and you um, made the point, and I don't think anybody else made the point that it started after Bobrovsky essentially... Yeah what we would call that in soccer, taking the air out of the ball. Like, when yeah. you know that momentum is going the other way, you have to find a way to slow the game yeah. down, I mean, and you see, that's a way to slow the game down. Yeah, you see you see skaters break their sticks after an icing or something like that um, to buy a little more time. Uh, I mean, like, you see this in, in other sports. Uh, catchers coming out to buy more time or whatever, but... Um, I'm, I'm really losing the analogy here. Well, I mean, but, in the olden you know, days, yes. Maybe not in the pitch clock so like, era, but... To me, to me, yes. Bob's workload, I guess, was there's, you know, there's three games in, what, five days or whatever, six days. Uh, you know, but, like, come on. Like, you also rode Lion and didn't give Bob a chance to get some games against teams that he had good historical records against. Uh, at the end of the year because line was the hot hand and you had to go with the hot hand because every game mattered. Well, every game matters now in the playoffs. And and this is why I say, like, Maurice has earned himself for me to stop saying he should get fired. He's <laughs> earned himself, you know, a, probably another kick at the can next year. Like, I can't see it not happening, so I'm just going to be okay with it and everything. But, like, there's still a lot of things I want to see more from him. Just like I want to see more from Kachuk and Barkov and Montour and Ekblad and, and the goalies and everybody because I just want to win a cup, and that's the ultimate goal. So, But I, for me, like there's just as much risk that Lion is not going to be able to – we talked about it, how loud that arena is going to be. This is the first second round in 20 years for this club in Toronto – it's going to be crazy. It's going to be loud. It's going like they are going to be brutal. They're, whoever is in net is going to get basically booed from the get-go. It's going to be electric. Would you want the guy who's won two Vesnas, who's just coming off a huge game seven win, who's feeling it, uh, who's the only goalie to beat two presidents? trophy winning teams in the playoffs or do you want to go with the career AHLer who was good for a couple games was good for like 
two handfuls of games and when he was hot, but you don't know if he's still hot. The the worry that I have about Lyon is pretty much game three, the scenario yes. where yes. he gives up an early goal and that took the crowd out of it in yeah. Sunrise. And part of why they couldn't get into it was because they were trailing. Okay. Different but, kind of situation in game six when they got the first goal and the building was going nuts. And what you worry about tonight is, oh, is Lyon going to give up a kind of cheap one and the crowd's into it, yeah. and then they feed off the crowd, and you can't really fight back, you know? Yeah. And, and and here's the other thing that you have to look at. How, how like, Bobrovsky obviously is not going to be okay with not playing game one. Like, it's not like they're going to go to him and be like, hey, Lion went 1-0-1 against Toronto down the stretch, so we're going to go with him for a couple games and see how that goes. He's not going to be like, oh, that sounds great. Like, it's going to be hard to go back to him if Lyon fails because he's going to be, he's, you know, he's fine. He was, you know, he's a good teammate. It was fine when Lyon was hot and all this stuff. And he was sick. He just, he just proved why you gave him $10 million. Zito hired, or not Zito, the Panthers hired Bobrovsky, hired him. He was a free agent. They paid him $10 million a year in cap to do what he did against Tampa at, with Zito in Columbus. So Zito's very aware of that, of, you know, what, you know, what he's capable of. And, and to think that you would just like, be like, you did it. You did it. There's no reason to take you out other than overthinking your endurance right now to one of the hardest work working and most fit players in the NHL goalies or skaters and going to line who was taken out for having weak goals and big moments. And you're putting them in a pressure cooker. And this is something that, and this is, the, and I only worry about it because this year they've had a string of decisions of going to a, go a cold goalie at the wrong time and it not working out, whether it's been Lion, Bob, or Knight. And I don't know. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it. But I also feel like I'm – I, I have such a, uh, such a initial reaction of, ooh, I don't know about that, that if it goes bad, I'm going to be like, I told you so. I mean, and that's perfectly fair. But also, I mean, in the defense of Paul Maurice, like, I saw a bunch of people saying Lyon should have started Game 5, and my opinion was, and I think I texted you this, was once you make the switch, you can't make it again in a yeah, series. That was the 21 problem where they tried to make too many goal changes. But then, but then it feels cheap to just do it game one for the next series with you know it's like oh i, I don't think that game one of the next series yeah. resets the clock personally okay, i think yeah. that once you make yeah. your goalie change you don't make the change again barring injury or bobrovsky just has yeah. such a stinker where you have no choice and the problem with the bruins in this series was after game five i think they probably should have gone to allmark uh away from him and gone to swayman because that was such a a mess of a game like, and particularly what happened after, like, how the Game 5 winning goal was scored, you know, and what we saw with Minnesota against Dallas was they did something, I mean, really, really stupid and went to Flurry in Game 2, and 
I don't want to say that's where they lost the series, but they threw a lot of all of the good work they did away. And the other thing was with was Edmonton. Like Jack Campbell saved their season, but they went back to Skinner in Game Five, and it and it worked out. You know, like I was honestly, I guess, a little surprised with Vegas and the way they've used their goaltending. You know, in this in this postseason, but you know they haven't futzed around with it. Like this is where we're gonna ride. You know what I mean? And like we only and when the Leafs, you know, Samsonov got shelled in Game One. They brought in Wall. I mean, they didn't have Matt Murray, but. So they weren't obviously going to play him in game two, but they went back to him and Samsonov's been pretty good. To me, I think you got to have your guy and ride it and you got to be careful with when you make the switch because when you do, you don't usually get a chance to go back from it. And and right. we've seen that in previous postseasons, right? With, with cup winners where we would see that and you just ride it the rest of the way. And I think that it could be mind games, who knows? I don't think mind games really matter that much in the playoffs, not nearly as much as, you know, some coaches would think. But I would understand it. It wouldn't be the decision I would make. I would be starting Bobrovsky until you can't anymore, pretty much. And, I mean, if it works, great. If it doesn't, you've, you've set yourself in a hole. And, like, it's also amazing that the it, Panthers have won two out of their last three series when they've lost just, game ones. But they've lost their yeah. last eight game ones. But it just, it's just like... It's, it's really risky. Yeah, what's the point? What is the? I mean, but they've done like they've lost eight game ones. But I think Dreger's played a game one. Knights. I mean, like how many goalies have played game ones? I mean, you Bob know? played both game ones last year, and again, he was not at fault for any of the things that happened in the last postseason. Um, and in this case, Lyon played game one, and he was. And look, he gave up a bad goal on that game one against the Bruins. He was great otherwise, but he gave up a bad goal. Like, that's that. That's the one thing I worry... Like, Bobrovsky gives up goals that you're like, ugh, I wish he could have saved that. But, you know, like, in some cases I go to myself when I'm looking at those goals, they're not the same level of Lyon giving up the one he gave up in Game 1 or the one he gave up in Game 3 where he got yanked. You know what I mean? At least this season. At, at least, least this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, look, the, the third goal in Game 7 was one I didn't like the rebound for. But like I kind of I can forgive uh, him for it. Here's here's what I'm gonna say about that, and I really thought that this was gonna be brought up in the intermission on on TNT, uh, but it wasn't, and I was surprised. But there are goaltending coaches, and there are goalies that intentionally kick pucks out that hard, that and you know like that. If you're off your angle by a little bit, it can be devastating like that. Or if you know you just don't, you're a little behind and you're kicking your leg out. You know it's not timed right. You don't get the. It doesn't necessarily always find its way to the boards and bouncing out. Um, and that, but I, I, it's not like ten, fifteen years ago where any goalie kicking out rebounds like that is like oh what are you doing that's terrible they make goalie pads bouncier now than they did then for that purpose to kick them further out to get them away from the high danger areas around you it just did not work out because it happened to go right to pass or not stick to me that's on the back check Oh, I didn't blame that's, him for that goal you, at all. You know what I mean? I'm just saying but that like, you, you see yeah, that that's goal. My, that's, and, and it's fine to be like, yeah, I wish he controlled that rebound better and everything. But to me, that's not like a, 
it's oh, not a... the same level of the goals that yeah. the bad goals line or, gave up, or, and that was my or, thing. Or a bad five-hole goal. It's different than a bad five-hole goal. And I think a lot of the Bobrovsky goals that he gave up were, okay, how were some of these goals scored? Well, he did, like, the, there's a scrum in front of the net. He can't find it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or the or the 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 one tip, the Bertuzzi tip in game seven where it's going right to his blocker and Bertuzzi tips it straight down yeah like and i and I, a lot of those right again, in front of the, right in yeah, front of him a lot of power play stuff was is stuff i'm not gonna blame him for and i as i said i didn't think he gave up really many bad goals if any i think that the thing that he did really well was look lion made a lot of spectacular saves but gave up bad goals and bobrovsky always made the save you needed at the right moment and that's why they yeah. won that series because when he needed to make a save you know break away at the end of game five or some of those moments in game six, the save needed to come, the save came, and he was also really good by the end of the series in knowing when the puck had to be frozen. Like, all right, we're not playing games here, I'll take a face off. Yeah. He just killed he just killed the game. And there's that and there's that know how that I just like if, if in some of the cases like in tonight, where you're gonna watch the game and you're gonna go, Okay, Lions gonna keep the play rolling in a situation where you're going to go maybe to yourself, ah, would Bobrovsky have melted it there and got a face off and be like, I'll just, we'll live to fight another day because that kills the energy. And that's the thing that a Sergei Bobrovsky might have that Alex Lyon doesn't. And as we've said all year, this is a team that has been losing on the margins. And in the Bruins series, it was winning a little on the margins in this kind of series. When you're going up against a Maple Leafs team where you honestly don't know what you're going to get because they've never been in this position before. So you could get a whole bunch of different outcomes you kind of would like, all right, I'll take my chances with a face-off. You know, I'll take my chances killing the game a little bit. And it's that little gamesmanship where I just wonder if Alex Lyon's not going to do that because he's a guy that we've seen he doesn't really play that way. Who knows? We're going to find out. Let's talk about this series in general and just thoughts on it overall. I think that this series is going to be tricky. For Florida, because we've talked about Boston and what Boston was able to do and what they weren't able to do at times. The difference with the Maple Leafs is I saw them that that penultimate game of the season where they came into Sunrise and they really shut it down. I looked at that Maple Leafs team and I thought after that game, if they don't win this year, then when are they winning? It's not going to happen. I think they can play really well when the games are fast. I didn't think the Bruins played particularly well when the games got faster and a little stupider. The Leafs can play if the game is stupid. You know, if the game is back and forth and there's goals going in every three, four minutes. But I also think they're really good at slowing the game down. They've got good game managers. You know, Tavares and, and O'Reilly is going to be really important at that. And I think they have better game managers on the back end, even if I don't think their defense core is incredible. Mm. The thing that I, mean, I worry about with the Panthers I, are, if the Leafs slow this series down, can the Panthers play when the series is slower? When the tempo is slower. I think they can. I think they can now. Can they, I mean, can they score enough if it's going to be as high scoring as some of, you know, as like a 6-5 game or something like that? I don't know. But I think they can definitely hang with that defensively now more than I did a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago even. Um, But, I mean, looking at their defense, I mean, where's your best matchup for the Panthers in this series? Where's the best matchup? I mean, I honestly can't believe how bad both of these teams' defenses are. For me, 
Florida could be better if they used more of their players. And for me, on the other side, Toronto, it seems like they just have so many bad defenders. I mean, they eventually did get rid of Justin Hall. They they got rid of Justin Hall eventually. I mean, it took them a while, but but they did that. Like, I'm just looking at matchups where I think the Panthers could. But I mean, like, I think... I think defensively they win just because Toronto, like it's Montour versus Riley, and to me, I take Montour over Riley ten times out of ten. I've never been a Morgan Riley fan. I don't think he's like I. I just it's like kind of a Yandel situation for me. I still think the overall effect is negative, despite all the offensive positive. Um, T.J. Brody has just been bad. He might be uh, hurt. Yeah, like Jake McCabe, like is is not really much to like. You know, he's all right. Wilsergren, I don't even know if they play him enough or been playing him. Not really. So I mean, I don't remember how much Luke he played Shen. in Game Six. You got Luke Shen. Uh, you know, like better than Mark Stahl. Yeah, Luke Shen's probably their Luke Shen after Morgan Riley is probably the defense defenseman I'm most worried about this series. And to me. That says a lot. I mean, nothing against Luke Shen. He's having a good year, and, you know, he's making the most of it. But uh, when, when he's going to be UFA, so good for him. But uh, I just – like, we got a Gudis, and hopefully he can, Gudis can play as good as Luke Shen or close enough. And then we have Montour plays, outplays or plays Riley, which I think is doable. Then, then you just need Ekblad, Forsling – Mahora to outplay the rest of the D on Toronto. And that seems doable, which again, to me blows my mind because <laughs> I don't think Florida's D is good enough. Um, Neither do I. <laughs> I think that I think goalies and D it's like, that's where the issue is. They have a better forward group and that's why they're the favorites. Cause their forward group, I think to me is, the difference in forward groups is bigger than the difference in defender groups or goaltendings either way. Whether you think Toronto wins or Florida wins, I think everybody would say, yeah, Toronto has a better forward group uh, just because they have a little more of that higher-end talent and the depth that they brought in with O'Reilly, with the freebie and Matthew Nyes, uh you Sorry, know it's been good for them you gotta say yeah 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 i mean at some that, point i think it, in this series a... you're going to need to see barkoff elevate offensively even if he's going to spend most of some of these games making austin matthews invisible which will what, happen what i mean he has four points in the last three games so if he so by off elevating offensively do you just mean that I mean, I think it's it's the consistent, you know, look, I mean, he's probably not sick anymore, so that helps. But I think, like, some people are going to want him to go shot for shot, basically, with some of the higher-end talent Maple Leafs. I don't think they're going to need that, because one thing I do think is going to be good in this series is I think Bennett and Kachuk are going to be... Like, the, the Leafs don't have that. That's the difference in their forward groups, is that the Panthers have... Well, Matthew Kachuk is unique, but the Panthers also have Sam Bennett, and when he plays at the level we know he can play at... That's a different I, dynamic than than what the Leafs have at center, and yeah, I mean, like, so, yeah, the Leafs are a little more one dimensional, um, but they definitely have. 
I mean, with the year that Nylander's having, the year that Mark's I just worry having, about. I worry about Matthews. specialty teams. I just worry about specialty teams because yeah, I, mean, I know that the Leafs are going to get theirs on the power play. And for the Panthers, I'm glad that they spent yeah, the last four. I mean, games I hope the Florida fans don't think they're getting the calls in this series either. I mean, like because. <laughs> It's uh, not going to happen. This is Toronto. They're going to get the power plays. Hockey-related revenue conspiracy theories because the longer the Leafs go, the more Rodgers makes and the more the NHL makes. But anyway, yeah. my point is I think that the Panthers, you're not going shot for shot with their power play. That's almost a guarantee. But, like, it's not taking stupid penalties. But we know even if they don't take stupid penalties, which they cut down on, like, they're still giving up three, four power plays a game, and that's a problem. Like, they can't go shot for shot with that man advantage. They didn't with Boston. They were just good enough five on five. I think the Panthers can be better than the Leafs five on five, but I think it's going to require, you know, the back end of that series against Boston, those kinds of performances again. And I think it can be duplicated. You know, I know that Barkov can do this stuff. I know Sam Bennett can do this stuff, but I want to see... I do want to see more from like Verhage. Got the he's got three overtime winners in the last two years in the playoffs. That's awesome. It's wonderful. You know, I want to. I I think you got to get a little more from guys like you know Duclair, and I think you got to get a little more yeah. from Verhage in in terms of like, you know, creating those moments because what the Leafs can do that the Panthers really like, unless it's I, basically Kachuk, is they've got players who can create moments out of nothing. And I just hope I, that the Panthers can keep up with, with that. that. I think that okay. I, I think it's not creating moments; it's finishing moments. Okay. I mean, if that, you that's look fair. at if you look at the expected goals and stuff, I mean, all three of the Florida Panthers lines can hang with this. It's just that Nylander, like these guys, just have better finishing skill. If you were going, if you were going to say, you know. The Panthers forwards all get one shot in this spot, and the Toronto forwards all get one shot in this spot. You know, you're going to bit more on the Toronto forwards to make use of that one shot because they got better shooters, big, and they got guys who put in big time goals like John Tavares. He's I can't wait. I hope Florida gives him some payback uh, for what he did with the Islanders to the Panthers. So you know, like they they have to bear down and finish their opportunities you know mm-hmm. and and that's i think to me that's going to be the difference can they get to the middle and can they fin- can they finish the opportunities that they create when they win back the pucks on the four checks can they get that puck to the middle can they get that to the middle and get that deflection how, how the leafs deal with time. what the panthers are going to throw at them with that kind of four yeah. check that we've seen is going to be interesting because yeah. i know I mean, that the lightning were physical with them and they're used to it but the lightning's four check is different than florida's like florida's it's coming at you it's a lot more like carolina's four check than tampa's tampa the the slower the game gets the better they are but the panthers it's the opposite like when you're playing at slower tempo that Tampa plays with the forecheck, it's really different than when, you know, it's like the Hurricanes flying at you or the Panthers when at, they're at their best flying at you. So that's a difference that I want to see if the Leafs can handle, especially if the Panthers are going to be aggressive on their D as they were against the Bruins because, you know, they forced Lindholm into mistakes. They forced Clifton yeah. into mistakes. And one thing we can both agree on, 100%, the Bruins' defense score is way better than Toronto's. So that's that's going to be interesting. Now... I predicted the Panthers were going to lose to the Bruins. 
I'm going to predict they're going to lose to Toronto because I just trust their finishing more. And I just trust that when they get those moments, they're going to take them a little more than Florida. This is not saying I don't think the Panthers can win this year. I absolutely think they can win this series. I I think, like, the playoffs, especially now, man, like, it's all just about adjustments, not overreacting, not think, you know, not trying to do too much and, and all of this. I mean, like, the message has to be simple to everybody, you know, Give a little more. Give a little more. We need to focus on these three things. This is what we're trying to do. Give a little more. Just keep going. And luckily, you know, this year, our issue has never been with effort. This is one of the few Panthers teams that for the majority of the year, the issue has not been effort. So we we can be pretty assured that Florida is going to show up in this series. At least, you know, they, they damn better after me saying that. Um and you know it's just about like can they can can they match what Toronto is most likely going to be amped up to do? And you know they have had just as big of a boost as Florida has breaking the curse. So on you know the so-called curse that gave them just as much juice as beating a President's Trophy and all of that. Uh, you know, I, and I they're going to be. It's just going to be a great series. You know, what happens in game one? Does whoever wins game, you know, whoever has the momentum from game one, uh, can the other team game plan and match that for game two? How do they then respond, you know? um, Because there's going to be different matchups. And if Maurice can get away from a matchup, how does, you know, Keith respond, you know, if... If a matchup isn't working, what happens? Uh, you know, Florida responded with game two. Boston responded in games three. Florida couldn't respond for game four, got steam, got got rolled again. Then they responded in game five and cranked up their four check. They decided they figured out a better way to get out of their zone so they could get in on that four check. And then they just decided we were just just do this until we can't do it anymore. And Boston had no response. It's going to be a series like that, you know. If I think it's going to be just a very evenly matched series, and I probably wouldn't be able to pick a winner until Game Three or Four at least, you know. I will stick with saying that I think but, Toronto's going to win, but it's going to be a long Panthers, series. This is not going to be a short series. I always pick the Panthers to win because why wouldn't I? Uh, I don't, but personally, I don't think much of this Toronto team because I just, I think that Florida can be any team if they do what they are capable of doing. There's not, you know, some of the big hitters are gone. They beat Boston. They can beat this Toronto team. They can beat Edmonton. You know, they can beat Carolina. They can do this thing. They can really do this. They can go on a run. They can get lucky and, and, and maybe pull out a couple series wins and maybe get to the final and win it. Who knows? But all it's going to be is just focusing on their game, not getting away from it, and just pushing, just doing the little things, being simple. That's all it is in adjusting. If you, know, if you can't do something, adjusting. Find a different way to to get the same to get the goals. Yeah, Find when, a different way to stop. When you got to adjust, you need to pull the shoot yeah. quick in this series. It's yeah. just got to I mean, like, be pulled 
if you need it, to. Boston was blocking shots, so they started changing angles. They started to rely less on point shots. They started, do, you know, they started having movement up top with F3 and the D more. I mean, like they made adjustments. If that happens again, you know, they have to make adjustments. And if they get, and then their adjustments get adjusted, they have to swing back. You know, they have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And just be pliable. Be like E2. Like you know, you can do whatever it takes. You're going to play any position on any line with anybody and just have that instant chemistry and just go out and get it done. Just don't be married to what has worked already. And look, I love the lines as currently constructed, but they are going to get blown up at some point in the series yeah. at a necessity. Yep. And they just got to make it work. And uh, it's, big- an oppor- it's an opportunity because of you're here and the the roads are you already beat the best team you know you already beat the the really big draft it's they're gonna get harder but like this team's already faced a ton of adversity all season and they've proven that they can deal with it now they just have to do it again and again and again and it's not going to be easy i think this is going to be a long series there are going to be points in this series where it looks like toronto is vastly superior i would bet and then there are going to be points in this series where it looks like florida is vastly superior because that's how these these things tend to work I, I think Toronto finishes with the win, but it would not surprise Please, me at well, all if Florida You should just stop this podcast as soon as you said that. Get out and of here. Get out of here. Oh, come on. Look, get, I, I'm only a saying... A team that's what, playing Sam Lafferty? Is, come on. Get out of here. Anyway, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for this series, uh, including some guests that I don't want to divulge just yet, but I promise you, you're going to like them throughout the series. You might see them after a game directly. You might see them the day after. We don't even know at this point when Game 3 is because nobody at the NHL can figure the schedule out because of concerts and because Formula 1. Vinny Viola is putting up a, a fit because he wants to be at the Kentucky Derby and at Game 3. You know what? And they you know can't what? do it on the same day. You know what? I had not thought of that, but that's it's actually probably that. correct. It's 100% that. I know. It, he, wants it, to, he wants to be at conduct, at the Kentucky Derby or whatever the pre No, it's the Kentucky Derby. It's the Kentucky Derby He wants Derby to be there and in the moment and enjoy all of that and then fly in his private jet to Florida and then the next day get to do the whole thing So it with turns Florida. out the Miami Heat was a red herring this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Because the yeah, Heat are playing in the afternoon, and, the, and they don't want to compete the NHL, with that, apparently. The NHL cares about NFL matchups. They do not care about going head-to-head with the NBA. They do. They, 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 but also, I mean, I don't look, think they do. And I, they don't I, I, the I'm interested to see if they actually matter. care that much about going up against the Miami Grand Prix on Sunday. Maybe they want Logan Sargent to be in the I mean, building. I mean, and that—that's—I uh, mean, first of all, great for Miami sports fans. I know there's a couple of people out there. Javi, uh, our friend, uh, you know, is a big. Oh, F1 I, fan. I, I can't. I, if you are a Miami the, sports the, fan of any vintage, heat, you're unlike the us. The Heat could be, you know, playing, and the you could be hosting an F1 race while the Panthers have a home playoff game in May, second round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean. This is this is what uh, you know. We were hoping that the blueprint would lead to, right? Well, this all those years ago. Unfortunately, yeah. this was supposed to be like 2015. We got to this point, but we'll we'll, we'll let it slide. We'll gloss over that. And uh, I want to let I want to say one thing before we leave here. And to, to the Toronto Maple Leafs fans that might be stumbling upon this because you want to get a Panthers perspective, and that's perfectly fine. I'm going to tell you 
you're going to be shocked by what the atmosphere looks like in Sunrise. It's not what you think it's going to be. You think it's going to be half Leaf fans. I promise you it's not. Look at what Game 6 was like against the Brew. I think it's going to be. I hope. I mean, they're... I'm neutral. I, after games three and four, I was real negative. I got on some people, including Matt Caldwell. Uh, game six was really good. Then Caldwell announced that they're, you know, having that buffer to get some locals to get the, the first release first and all that. That's great. Um, so that puts them back in neutral. But they got to bring it. Game three has to be beyond game six against Boston. They have to ratchet it up every home game. No more whiteout t-shirts. We know that does not work. Rally towels, sure. Do You got to figure out ways to keep being fresh, keep being exciting, keep being over the top, uh, and figure out a way and – immediately start playing sweetness because you don't have enough time to get a goal song and everything like that. The individual goal stuff doesn't work. I mean, maybe when swaggy scores, you can play turn my swag on or, or something like that. You can, you can play, you can play Alexander Barkov's goal song. Cause that's funny. I, I don't, you know, but like they, you gotta, you gotta start doing more like pump up the crowd stuff during, you know, during, uh, whistles and stuff like that. And, and the you know encouraging the crowd to stay into it with replays and stuff you know that you're, you're paying Andrew Ember to lose his voice if he loses his voice it's okay yes yes get that guy on the mic get him doing ch- I don't care get him doing chance he's got so much charisma and energy like just go if you need like, to you dress up Goldie in. as Pitbull to bring back a joke that we have used many times on this podcast before. Do it. It's fine. Nobody yes. will notice the difference. Like, you bring yeah, in Mike you, White if you have to. Oh, he's gonna be I, there anyway. Never mind. I, I, you know, like if Justin Bieber shows up, put him on the drumotron and then make get fun Ariana Grande to show up to top him. But, but like, yeah, but also like make fun of him. Like call him Jason Bieber or something like that on the. Oh well, I have you jokes know what I mean? about that, but we that they're not but family like, friendly. Right, you know, like just. You know, you have to lean into being raucous. Bring the ruckus, man. Like, just that it's so needed. It's so needed because you could tell Boston was not ready for that in game six. Like, when it got to that level and when they they kind of were in the driver's seat and it's and they were expecting the silence that took over in games three and four to happen, and it didn't, guess what? Florida got the momentum back a lot quicker. It's, you know, when the when the crowd still believes, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but, like, that matters, especially when you have a guy like Kachuk, who's one of the drivers of the team who 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 says he feeds off of that. The man that, is a the man is a wrestling heel at most times. If he if he feeds off that and he's the one that sparks the team, you need to give him that energy too. And you know, the, it's really easy for the team to manufacture it. I mean, how many people people go to a hockey game in the playoffs and spend that money cuz they want to cheer. They want to get excited. They want to experience the adrenaline rush. So give it to them. Yeah. And I know they can do it. 
I know that if it's not a money issue because you can do it spending money smartly or you could do it just dumping money. I mean, it doesn't money's not the issue because it's 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 just the sim, simple things. Showing replays, keeping people involved, getting chants going and stuff like that. Having some humor, showing some highlights and stuff. I mean, the the Flyers I mean, anytime it got close to playoff time, you knew the Flyers were rolling out the fight tape. You know, the Riley, all the uh, Riley. Coach what did they do? What did they do? Years, the fight they, tape. Who, who did they? Who did they get on the jumbotron yeah. before the games? Bob Kelly. Well, they did <laughs> something else too. Well, they did something else too. What else did they do in playoff games? Who would they put on the jumbotron with Lauren Hart? Pete Smith. Mm-hmm. Boston did that though with Renee Rancourt in Game oh, Seven. Oh yeah. Loss, well, so. well, the guy who replaced Renee Rancourt, but you know what I mean. No, but they did. They did. Oh, did they do that with, in Game Seven? Yes, they had Renee. They they had Renee Rancourt on the jumbotron. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Oh, they got to bring back that that kid from a few years ago. I guess that'll work. What was his name? No, Golub. They have to bring back Golub. Remember him? Yeah. Okay. This podcast is going but, on for too long if we brought like, him up. You know, they just yeah, they can they just need to lean into it. For, I believe you know I love Willie Nylander. Austin Matthews great, but he's the second best American hockey player right now. Can, Let's can go. I say one thing? Can Let's I say one thing before go. we leave? People, I've said this on the show, and I've said it to anybody who would listen. If you go to Sunrise for a big game. You're going to be surprised by how good the atmosphere is, especially when there are other fans in the building and you build up that little bit of animosity between the fan bases. There's going to be Leafs when fans the in the team comes home with a 2-0 series lead. Bring it home, boys. Yes. Let's go. Yes. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Anyway, we're going to post this very shortly. Hopefully you listen to it before the game. If not, it's going to be mostly evergreen. We've got good stuff coming throughout this incredible series that will no doubt make us all very happy and very sad at the same time. Until then, good night and good hockey. And go for it.